Jesus gets baptized and as he's coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and a voice comes from heaven and saying, this is my son and with him I am well pleased. That doesn't happen very often. I've been to lots of baptisms um, and I and I have to confess, I've never seen the heavens ripped open where God speaks and says, this is my son and he began to teach. Now it doesn't tell us what he began to teach. Personally, I, I would like to have known. You know, the more I look at the Gospel of Mark, the more I actually enjoy it. It's a, it's a great Gospel. It's rough. It's ready. It, it takes all these stories that have been circulated orally about Jesus and it puts them together um, in, in a great way. Mark um, has in it actually more miracles per word than any other Gospel. It's got 16 miracles, only 16 chapters. It's got 16 miracles all the way through it. Now, one of the things that, that's strange about, about Mark is he takes the miracles that Jesus does and he arranges them in, in a particular order. And he does that because he wants us to learn something. That, so the order of the miracles actually teaches us some lessons about what Jesus is doing. Not, uh, not just in Jesus' day, uh, but, but for the whole of life. So I just want us to look, if you will, with me, the first miracle that Mark records don't know if you can hear the birds singing in the trees. It's just great out here by the river. Uh, the back of the Staley's property is just fantastic. It's wonderful. This is what it says in, in, in Mark chapter 1. Uh, and it's after Jesus has already called all his disciples. Uh, there's been the baptism and Jesus goes out, calls uh, the first disciples anyway. And, and then, then it says it says this. All right, in verse 21 of chapter 1 of Mark, uh, they went to Capernaum. And Jesus went on the Sabbath day, came to the synagogue, and he began to teach. Now, it doesn't tell us what he began to teach. Uh, he went to the synagogue with his disciples, but it actually doesn't tell us. <laughs> I find that curious. Um, and Mark doesn't bother to record that. Personally, I, I would like to have known. But it does say this. It says that everybody heard him, uh, loved what he spoke on. They loved how he spoke. Now, you've got to remember as well. Uh, there'd been rumors about him because way back in Mark chapter 1 and uh, verse 10 and 11, Jesus gets baptized and as he's coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and a voice comes from heaven and saying, this is my son and with him I am well pleased. Now you, you've got to think that all these rumors then are, are being talked about, about this, this rabbi who's wandering around, who a voice from heaven talked about him after his baptism. That doesn't happen very often. I've been to lots of baptisms. Um, and, I, and I have to confess, I've never seen the heavens ripped open where God speaks and says, this is my son and him I'm well pleased. Now, all these rumors and then this this guy turns up this Jesus this incredible character turns up in their synagogue and he starts to teach and they love what he says and more importantly they love how he says it 
at this stage. Now later, same people, religious people and stuff like that are going to get stirred up and crucify him. Uh, but at the moment, they're loving what he's saying and they're loving what he's teaching. And he's not just some semi-vagrant marginal drifter. Um, and some people want to portray Jesus like that, that he, you know, turns up with his disciples at a, at a, a farmhouse window and leans over and says, well, what are we eating today, boys? Um, this is a massive traveling ministry. This is, this is somebody who's, who's, who's well read. And because you don't get to just walk into any synagogue and pick up the scrolls and, and start to teach in a synagogue if you're some semi-vagrant wandering drifter. But he is an untested young rabbi. That's what he is. Despite all that's happened with his, uh, with his baptism and calling his disciples, he's, he's still an untested rabbi. And so when he goes in and he starts to teach, we come upon his first test. As Jesus was talking and the people were listening, and verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught with someone who had authority, not just like the teachers of empty law. Now, because of that, this is what happens. Just then a man in their synagogue, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an unclean spirit starts to cry out. Yeah. When was the last time this happened in church where you go? What do you want to do with us? Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. That's an incredible thing for an unclean spirit to say. He actually calls Jesus by a, a holy title. You are the Holy One of God. And all of those are capitalized. Holy One of God, they're all capitalized because it's a title. I, I love this. It's like even the unclean spirits know who he is. And they're testing him. Why? Because up to this point, it's just theory. I don't know if you've ever taken your your theory L test, your driving test. Now, now uh, you, you have to do the, the theory test first and you pass that, but then they take you on the practical test because theory is okay as far as it goes. But what happens past the theory? So he, hey, okay, he, he's passed the theory test, but can he drive? This, this, this uh, rabbi, he can say all the right things and say it with authority, but, but can he actually back it up? Can he back it up? Now, now, it's written down really nicely here. And you can read it like that if you want. That Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an unclean spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I somehow don't think unclean spirits spoke like that. I... I I think it was probably more, what do you want with us? I know who you are, holy one of God. You know, just out of control. Now, <laughs> that might seem a bit bizarre to you. It sounded bizarre when it came out of my eyes, actually. 
But it wasn't just ordered and nice and pretty. And sometimes we can order and nice and pretty up the Bible stories. This, this probably caused chaos within the synagogue. Somebody was clearly not doing their job, keeping control of this guy. But I want you to notice the wording here. It says somebody in the synagogue. This unclean spirit had been sitting there all this time, not bothered. Why? Why could an unclean spirit sit in a synagogue and not be bothered until Jesus turns up? Well, there's a clue in the sentence before. They liked the way he talked because he taught with authority. Let me tell you something. When authority and anointing turns up in a place, it's going to bother some people. It's going to bother this unclean spirit. In one of the translations, it actually says, why are you bothering us? Why are you bothering us? People don't mind going along to, to religious ceremonies and religious venues and religious places as long as it doesn't bother them, as long as it doesn't bother their lifestyle. This teaching with authority starts to bother. And let me tell you, this word that's full of the authority of God will bother us when we look at it. It will, if we allow it to, and unless we just treat it like a theory, unless we just treat it like a, a powerless Sunday school story. Um, it's going to bother us. It bothers me. And it bothered this unclean spirit. Now listen to Jesus' reaction. Because I find this fascinating. All right? So why have you come to bother us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Now if, if this was today, in our Christian subculture media ways, somebody would have probably said, hey, hey, did you hear that? Did you, did you hear? Even the, even the unclean spirits know that I'm the Holy One of God. Did you hear that? But he doesn't need the acclaim. He doesn't need anybody to tell anybody who he is. He, he actually is who he is and he's absolutely secure in it. So because of that, he says, be quiet. Be quiet. Now, when, when somebody's preaching, somebody's teaching, and then somebody cries out or disturbs in the middle of it. Where does the attention go from? The attention goes from that teaching and that anointing. It goes from there and it switches to the person's making the disturbance. This unclean spirit wants to get the attention away from anything that has authority. It wants to take attention away from anything that, that actually has power of life in it. But Jesus will not allow this unclean spirit to take center stage. So he commands it to be quiet. And then he chucks it out of the guy. <laughs> so all of a sudden, this theory has become a practical reality in, in, a, in, a, in a situation where, where it's been hidden before. And he exposes it and he deals with it. Now look what happens. You flip forward with me because he goes and he, he goes to a solitary place and, and prays. And then it says in, in Mark's wording, and I love the wording there, it says that they brought people who were demon possessed and, and, had he, and he healed many. And Jesus healed many who came with various diseases in verse 34. And then in verse 40, this is what happens. A man with leprosy came to him on his knees and begged him, if you are willing you can make me clean if you are willing if you're willing <laughs> yeah. 
that, that wouldn't have been what I said. <laughs> to, to heal somebody from leprosy, if you're willing. What about if you're able? He doesn't ask if he's able. He asks if he's willing. Why would he do that? Notice the position of this man. He's on his knees in front of Jesus. He stops him in his tracks. On his knees. Place of humility. Facing Jesus. This focus is on him in a place of humility. And he says, if you are willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Not if you're able. And Jesus is willing. He's willing. And he reaches out. And he touches the man. Now, it says this in verse 41. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. He reached out and touched him. He braces, breaks every social convention that there is around this man's disease. Now, it describes him as a leper. He has leprosy. But, but in Old Testament writing and, and New Testament writing, leprosy can actually mean all sorts of skin ailments. Um, but he reaches out and he touches this man who is unclean because of his leprosy and he breaks every social norm and every social convention. If you're willing, I wonder, will he touch what nobody else will touch? I wonder if he can touch what nobody else can touch without being contaminated. In the cold light of day, not in the synagogue, out on the street, this man comes up to him and gets on his knees in front of him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus does that right in the cold light of day. You see, he's dealt with a spirit before. Spirituality is one thing. What about the practical dealing with issues every single day? Now, I don't know about you. I I love the fact that that there's spiritual answers. I love that. It's great. But I need something that, that can work in my life every single day in the cold light of day. And he reaches out his hand And he touches this guy, but then he gives him a warning. Now, listen what he says, because it's quite interesting. All the words are written down for a reason, right? They're they're there not just to fill up space. Jesus had compassion on him. Now, what is also interesting about that phrase is this. In some translations, it doesn't say compassion. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, it probably says he felt sorry for him or he loved him. Some translations say that. Some say Jesus was angry. Not at the man, but what this disease had done to him and his life and his family. It separates him from everybody. It, it, it makes means that he can't be involved in normal society. It means that he can't be part of the normal run of life. If he has a family, because of this disease, he has to leave them. If he has kids, his, his kids almost become fatherless. And Jesus looks at him and it's like this, it's, it's like when he's standing outside Lazarus's tomb and it's, where have you, where have you laid him? Where have you taken him? Where has death taken my friend? Jesus looked at this man in compassion and he looks at what this disease has done to him and he reaches out his hand and he touches him. 
Can he touch what nobody else touches? Then he says this. See that you don't tell anyone. In verse 44, see that you don't tell anyone. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you for the cleansing testimony. Now listen, I wish people would read the end of this story because Jesus is basically saying to him, listen, you're healed, I'm willing, but now go and get it verified. Let's not just have these willy-nilly stories that sound like nonsense because nobody, I, I was in a church one day and, uh, and I was fascinated because the guy st stood up and he said, he said, we were, we were having some meetings the other day and uh, we saw somebody raised from the dead. Well, when somebody says that, my ears pick up. I, and I don't, know if, I don't know if that would interest you or not, but like, I'm thinking that's rare that I would like to hear about. And so this guy says, yeah, we're in a meeting the, the other day and, and this, this kid was raised from the dead and we, we gave him back to his mother. And I'm thinking, okay, tell me more. But, but the more as he started to talk about it, as I talked with him later, I couldn't figure out if the kid had died or if he'd fainted. I couldn't kid figure out if, the, if it was because of heat that he passed out from lack of hydration or what had gone on. I, I, really, I really didn't have any idea at all. And you, and you know, sadly, that doesn't bring any glory to God. It just brings a bit of confusion. In some ways, it can bring things into disrepute. And that's why Jesus says this to the guy. Go and get this verified using the methods that you have. So if God heals you, go and get it verified by somebody who, who can actually verify it. Do it. I, I encourage you to do it. Why? For the testimony's sake. Because that's the word that Jesus used. Offer the sacrifices for the testimony. Go and do it. This man goes off and does it, and, but he tells people. And because he tells people, all, all the travel plans have to be changed. They, they can't go into certain villages because of the crush of the crowd. So people look for him everywhere. Why? Be because he can do what nobody else can do. They came to Jesus because he could do what nobody else can do. I don't know what you need him to do. I really don't. I know this about myself, that there are areas in my life that I need him to touch that nobody else can or will touch. Uh, I, I need him to be involved in my life in a daily, incredible way that goes beyond theory. Guys, Today just happens to be Father's Day. We should celebrate our mums and dads and fathers every every day. But guys, you ever wanted to do a job and you go on YouTube and you and you and you look at all the YouTube videos about how to do it? And that's great. But it's theory. I don't need theory. I need to learn and I need to study and I need to understand, but then I need it to work in daily life. I need it to be able to touch my life. And that's why people sought out Jesus because he could touch their life and make a difference in everyday living experience. It wasn't just a theory like the teachers of religious law taught 
it worked. I don't know what area of your life that you need him to touch today. I really don't. But I want you to remember something. This beggar that came to Jesus and he sat down in front of him begging Jesus, this leper who came and begged Jesus, what was his position? What was his posture? He was on his knees in front of Jesus, on his knees, humbly, humbly on his knees. You can't be on your knees and proud. (laughs) On his knees, begging for help with his focus on Jesus. Today, that might be a posture that some of us need to take. Get on my knees in front of Jesus. I focus on Jesus and ask him to help. On my knees, humbly saying, God, I cannot do this on my own. Jesus, touch me. Jesus, touch me today. Touch my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. I love the bird songs. Hope they weren't too distracting. I just love being outside. Bless you and stay safe. Teacher. Coach. Doctor. Chef. Event planner. Lifeguard. Stylist. Comedian. Contractor. Turn his face toward
favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children